Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 40-ish. Or as we call it today, the matinee version, because it's 2 p.m. on a Sunday. 2 p.m. on a Sunday, which means normally we'd be, well, depending on the season, we'd be dreading watching the Lions, but we're okay today. We're okay. It's because the season hasn't started. Right, right. We have an abbreviated host crew today. Uh, as of always, my name is Jason, and I'm joined today by uh, the ever-present Mr. John Moody. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. And uh, we have, as our guest today, a, I wouldn't even say local celebrity. This is a celebrity guest. This mm-hmm. is a name that is synonymous with our city. And, and we found out five minutes ago, basically a neighbor. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that, it, it occurs to me now that where, where we live and where I do my workout walk slash jog, I'm not running yet, I'm working on it. I have seen that truck, and I just said, ah, oh, somebody just works for that. Never, I should have thought of this a long time ago. Anyway, uh, we'd like to welcome to 40ish, Miss Judy Sarkozy. Judy, welcome to the 40ish podcast. Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Well, happy to have you here. Uh, I've got all kinds of questions. John's got all kinds of questions. But before we get into that, we would love to hear a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay, I can try, but as you know, it's metaphysically absurd to know yourself so true you're the second guest that has actually done that so (laughs) well how corny then (laughs) no no it's a a trend it's like 2019 is a year that people are more existential than anything else there you go there you go oh my goodness Um, (laughs) uh, i am a baker uh i own a bakery in downtown kalamazoo that's been here for 41 years and uh, is, has been judged the third best bakery in Michigan, although they were wrong, but. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I have lived in Kalamazoo for 43 years, something like that. Um, and what else about me? Uh, when we came to Kalamazoo, we didn't know what we were gonna do. and. We just, we thought it was a nice place. And so we moved here and waited to figure out what to do. And we ended up in the bakery business. So, um, so, so that's what we did and that's what we do. That's awesome. So where, where did you come from if you moved to Kalamazoo? We both uh, were uh, leaving, uh, we both ended, did our graduate school work in, at Wayne State University in Detroit. Oh, okay. Oh, so you actually came here straight from college then? Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. Because at the time, a husband and wife couldn't teach at the same university because of nepotism laws. Sure. So uh, we said, well, let's find someplace we like and figure out what to do when we get there. That's uh, that's ballsy. That's pretty good. (laughs) That's bold, yeah. (laughs) That's that's solid. I I, No, I just... Yeah, you know, we did some research and we looked at small towns and we looked at various places and Kalamazoo had everything we wanted. Sure. So it's got a great cultural scene. It's got, you know, libraries and movies and all that. If you go to, uh, you know, uh, Petoskey, well, I shouldn't say Petoskey, but some of the smaller towns we looked at just didn't have the advantages. Mm -hmm. That's what brought us here. Outstanding. So you have, uh, you had aspirations or you were teaching at a university level. I know you have your, uh, your doctorate. What do you, what is your doctorate in? That's not my fault that I have it. They just, didn't, 
Do they just hand it to you as you're walking out the door? They're like, listen, we need some more doctorates. No, they just didn't kick me out in time. Oh, that's it. <laughs> and I ended up with it. <laughs> and my husband also has one. So, um, so you know, that, and we said, well, and at the time, there were a lot of PhDs and not very many students. Okay. We thought, okay, let's mm -hmm. go figure out what else we're going to do. Sure, sure. So one of those things, and the thing, so does your husband, is he involved in the bakery as well, or is this your baby, and this is what you decided to do, and he's just doing something different, or? Well, it's uh, a little both. Okay. Um, in the beginning, while we were researching it and setting it up, um, we, we didn't know who was going to run it, but then, while we were setting it up, I got a job offer. Kellogg's. So oh. I, I took the job and he ran the bakery in the beginning and then after a while I couldn't I I left Kellogg's and came back and he left the bakery and I've run the bakery since, since the early 80s. Okay. And um, then when he retired a few years ago and he came back as an employee. Oh. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Which is interesting. He gets a check and I don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Is it paid in just dough or is it actual? <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you know, we're going to go with apple thingies and a couple pizzas for the week. And you're like, I think it's a little high payment, but we'll go with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, that's outstanding. <clears throat> well, so, I mean, a lot of the questions that immediately came to mind when when you agreed to to come on for the guests we we actually put this in motion november october november so it's it's a building up to be able to to have you on as a guest um and you've already given us a little bit of the background so the things i kind of want to start with i've got selfish questions and just general kalamazoo questions because um when i talk to people in the community i've lived in portage kalamazoo area since 2012 when I got married and came no that's that's a lot no, 2003 I'm right I have no I idea gonna be like hold on a second how old like, is Tony hey, let me do the math here right? <laughs> and uh, I had been a guest in the city when I would come down to Western to visit John and some other friends yeah and I've been here since 97 ah okay um, but my, my first question is very selfish question and it, and it comes from the bakery okay, world. Get it off your chest. yeah yep. yeah uh, I have a family member, one of my children, has a food allergy, a peanut, uh -huh. peanut and tree nut allergy. And one of the most difficult things for us to do for him is to find an honest to God, either a punch key or a donut or a baked good that is uh, safe enough that we feel comfortable for him to eat. So my question is, this is something you probably deal with on a daily basis. And how has that changed over time? Meaning when I was a kid, I don't remember people yeah, it was never really a thing. having food allergies. And now it's like a, it's a constant in my life to make sure that he's okay. I mean, he's going into high school. He's going to make his own decisions now, but it's kind of like, I, I would love to get a perspective of a professional baker who works in a industry where everything smells good and you want to touch and eat and be <laughs> part of everything, but that's not a reality. So um, I would just kind of like to get your perspective on that sort of thing. Well, that's a tough one because um, we've, have peanuts peanut butter here mm -hmm. and uh and i don't know i can't guarantee that that nothing has ever 
been touched by the peanut butter, you know? Right, right sure. Um, and so it's very difficult. And so I think, I mean, if I were the parent, I think you have to end up going to places that are, unfortunately, you know, places that process, you know, make processed food and can guarantee that. Right, uh, right. You know, it's just right. like when people ask me about gluten-free, well, to be truly gluten-free, gluten <laughs> gluten-free, we'd have to close, have clean the place, get a new ventilation system. Um, you know, so I don't know. I I know from my point of view, I can't guarantee anything like that. Sure, right. And and that's an honest answer, right? I mean, yeah, it's different. So you know, over time, I've, I'll call up places that we you know we'll travel to Chicago or we'll go to. He and I are getting ready to go on a trip, so I'm doing all the due diligence before we go. And if I call and I'm like, "How do you handle food allergies?" and if they immediately go into a litany of, "Well, we do this, that, and the other thing," I I trust. There's a level of trust there versus people uh -huh. that go. Well, I you know we and I'm like, okay, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate right. it. I mean, there are a couple, and by couple that I can think of off the top of my head, two places in the city that I will get him donuts from. Uh -huh. The bakery at the D&W on Romance that's closing in like three days. Because yeah. But the bakery on, um, on Whites is the same stuff. They use the same stuff. Right. Yeah, because yeah, I've gotten birthday cakes there when you've had your kids come, and that you had me do that due diligence too to make right. sure that – well, like cakes, um, there's a baker lady, Kathy, at the Hardings on Westnage that she uh -huh. takes care of that for. But they also, to cover themselves, have the may contain statement, which is a, a <clears throat> statement. But right, the other sure. place, which is a damn, damn dangerous thing, is the donuts out at Gall Meadows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's dangerous because you buy a couple dozen at a time and they don't even make it to the car. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Yep. <sighs> anyway, but but I, I was always kind of curious to know that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I know you do, um, I know you make your own pizzas. Right. You know, we real, make, real, we and, make everything from scratch. And see, that's... Oh, great. The only things that we buy um, that are not from scratch are stuff like almond paste, peanut butter, um, those kind of things. Sure. Okay. Everything from scratch. We don't use, except in holiday cookies, like Christmas and, and all. We don't use any coloring. We don't use any additives. We buy the least adulterated form of whatever we're going to use. Mm. Um, okay. And we know we're not organic, but we are uh, as fresh and pure as we are humanly able to do and we try to use local stuff as much as we can i was going to ask that if you yeah. had how much of that you're able to get um from the community kind of yeah um a lot but flour um flour is to have reliable flour throughout the year mm -hmm. the miller has to mix various flours to keep the protein content right and the, all of that so um, the, you have to be raising flour on a huge scale. And in Michigan, you can't, well, in southern Michigan anyway, you can't really grow hard red spring flour. The climate just doesn't work for it. Mm -hmm. I'm to grow some up by Traverse City, but they're a very small operation. And so for throughout the year, you know, nobody thinks about this, but 
flour and nuts and all that kind of thing, they vary throughout the year because you have your crop in the fall and then you use it all year long. So by the end of that year, it's all much drier and it's hmm. it has changed and its characteristics change. And so um, dealing with uh, like a small uh, flower purveyor, they don't have the capability of mixing the flowers to make it work as much as they can. But when new crop comes out, like when new crop hazelnuts come out, I just go crazy. They are so wonderful. Mm. And um, new crop walnuts also. By the by fall, they're starting to get um, rancid. Hmm. I, I honestly never even thought about that kind of stuff, especially yeah. flour. Yeah. Yeah, flour really changes. And flour, uh, as it ages, it um, oxidizes a little bit. And so... Uh, it, it, so if you buy, if you grind it today mm -hmm. and use it tomorrow or in a week or in three weeks, it's, it, it behaves differently. So wow. to keep it as whole and then grind it in a particular schedule so that it's the aged amount that you want. So there is a perfect time range for using freshly milled flour. Yes, absolutely. So if, if but you can do it you can, at home, you can do it because you don't care. Oh gosh, this loaf doesn't look like yesterday's loaf. It doesn't sure. matter. But right. for us, we got to make the loaves. Well, we don't do all that good a job, but we got to make the loaves as, as, as uh, regular as they are and <clears> the customers expecting. Okay. Yeah. I guess I never thought about that. You know, if you go and you're buying your regular, baked goods and you're like, ah, this one's a little off. I mean, there's something to be said about uh, artisan baking versus, you know, commercial baking. But if it's like dramatically different or size different or colored, I, I never thought about that. Yeah. And, and for example, with our sourdough, our sour starter is, it's very picky. Um, and when we first started using it, uh, we were closed on Sunday and Monday. And so it would get treated differently. Its feeding times would be a little changed. Mm. And on Tuesday, it was too crabby to make bread. By Wednesday, mm. we'd be back to shape again. Mm. Well, now we're open seven days. So we, we get it. We, it sits in the cooler in the afternoon. Then we put it. No, I mean, it sits on the floor in the afternoon. Then we put it in the cooler about 6 o'clock at night. We take it out. No. Boy, oh boy, this is editing time. I'm sorry to believe you don't actually run a bakery, Judy. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting that out there. I, I, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> under right, pressure, so, pressure, yes. pressure. All right, so it sits on the floor in the afternoon. I put it in the cooler at about 6 o'clock. Uh, in the morning, I take it out of the cooler at about 6 o'clock. It sits on the floor, so it's room temperature. Then in the morning they feed it, uh, use it, then they feed it, um, then it gets fed again, and then at six o'clock at night it gets put back in the cooler. And if we mess up any of those steps, and as you can tell by the way I described them, we pro I probably mess them up all the time, um, uh, it's, it's crabby and it makes a different bread. Hmm. And because it changes in, in large part, it changes the acid content of the starter. And the acid affects the gluten, and that affects the size of the holes. 
And so it's, um, it's, it's very complicated piece. I wonder, I don't know, I, I've really gotten into the heavier wheat breads over the last couple of years under the mm-hmm. assumption of health and stuff like that. I wonder yeah. what breads in general that you make or that you've experienced have a, uh, a higher tolerance for those inconsistencies, right? So you're talking about the very specific process of making sourdough bread so yeah. that there is consistency for your, for your clients, for the people that buy your, is there an, is there a certain bread that survives those inconsistencies better than others? Like there's a low tolerance for the sourdough, but there's a large tolerance for your Italian bread or whatever it happens to be. Um, since we don't make Italian bread, there's a very large tolerance. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but, just checking off questions left and right. No Italian bread, no shopping. Um, but there are breads that are easier than others. Um, and particularly if you're raising it with baker's yeast instead of a wild yeast, the baker's yeast is more predictable. Um, and and it is a little bit more tolerant of acid and uh, yeah of acid and so uh, it's a little bit less tolerant of acid <laughs> god um but um they all have their quirks they take different amounts of time to raise they take uh uh different amounts of they'll take different amounts of what they'll hold like raisin bread you know, our raisin bread is made with whole wheat flour, so it holds fewer raisins, although we put more in than most people do. Okay. Very less fruit. So you just have to know every bread and what it'll do. Um, and you just learn that by making a lot of mistakes. And, and I've been going to the most expensive business school in the world. Oh, uh, sure. Called baking, <clears throat> baking, trying to run a bakery. Right, right. I was going to say, so yeah, something like Hard Knocks 101 yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, with that, um, <clears throat> when, when you decided to actually start a bakery here, was it an immediate thing? Was it something you guys were here for a while and decided, you know, this is what Kalamazoo could use? Is it one of those you're just like, you know, what would be fun? Well, that's an interesting story. It's um, a cautionary tale about drink. Oh, <laughs> uh, we were uh, we were looking for a business to go into, and there was a blizzard, and we were just out of graduate school, and <laughs> we had uh, you know uh, we were pleased we had two pair of jeans each, so mm. we were in pretty good shape. Flush with cash, flush. Yeah, flush. right, right. So I was gonna make you know some hardy stuff. We lived in a you know the, the, a real um, drafty farmhouse. And I found enough to make pea soup, and I thought, well, that's a good start. So I made pea soup, and I thought, we gotta have, we gotta have more than that. I will try to make Julia Child's French bread. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, all right. I had read the recipe. I was fascinated with the recipe, and I had read it over and over. It was, I think, it's 19 pages long, and it's whoa, 23 illustrations or something like that. So I was really interested in that, and. Um, Spent the afternoon, our our stove had to be closed, our oven had to be closed with a bungee strap, and so I didn't have exactly the best equipment. And we didn't know what French bread tasted like. We'd never been to France, and our foreign travel was pretty much limited to Windsor, Ontario. So, uh, <laughs> and um, so I made the bread, 
and it came out, well, I thought, pretty well. And we also happen to have a liter bottle of Igri Bikafer, which is a Hungarian bull's blood wine. Oh. Yes. And so, and the bread turned out to be pretty good. And as we were finishing the wine, we said of what was left of the bread, you know, we can sell this. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so then I took it to some people who knew what French bread should be, and they said, yeah, this is really good. So I said, okay, and then, then started trying to figure out how to do that. So yeah, that's the, that's the story. That's a good story. That, that's a great story, yeah. <laughs> Most, most stories of, you know, entrepreneurship don't start with a blood-based wine product. But, you know, <laughs> it's a thing. And a blizzard? You, and you know, a blizzard, it's, yeah. It's got all the elements of something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's awesome. That's super awesome. Well, so you've definitely then in, endeared yourself to the city of Kalamazoo by creating this. I mean, I you... Um, your name is synonymous in my mind with the city. Uh, there isn't a, mm -hmm. a, uh, a, a sponsorship, a public speaking event, some sort of uh, community outreach program that hasn't had your name attached to it in some way. And there's one that I'm most familiar with, with you and your name and your voice. And that is uh, uh, public radio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I have never, that's not true. I don't feel as much guilt in my life as I do when you come on and I'm listening to <laughs> WMUK in the morning on those pledge drives. And you're like, listen, if I didn't have public, you know, sort of thing, so, uh, I, I'd love to know your connection with whether it be WMUK or any other public radio channel that, that is, uh, it, it seems very near and dear to you as a, as a public service. And I'd love to know kind of your vibe on that. Well, actually, my interest in radio, and I have no idea how this happened, but in junior high, I, I was a volunteer or something or other at WFBE, W Flint Board of Education, mm -hmm. at, which okay. later became the UOM station. Oh, all right. And we did little morality plays for people uh, in the uh, homeroom, and uh, we also did some bro regular broadcasting. Uh, and so I was there. And then when I was in Detroit, I um, was teaching electronics and my uh, staff, I was training my students for the FCC license. And I thought, well, what the hell? I may as well go get one myself. Sure, why not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Got my FCC license. And then my husband decided that he wanted to do, we, well, we ended up doing a folk show in, on WQRS in Detroit. Uh, for three hours on a Friday night, once a month. And um, he was the talent and I was the engineer. And so, and then I, I worked for WDET, which is public radio in Detroit. And then I came out here and um, I don't remember who first asked me to do a spot for them. Somebody did. And I was very serious. And you can tell that it's hard for me to do that. Mm -hmm. Dead. Sure. I love it. Love That's it. the same with us. Right. <laughs> so I said uh, in this spot, I, I love the opera and I love the fact that you have the opera on and blah, 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 blah. And so they played that spot. And there was one call in to pledge and that was me. 
Um, <laughs> so, so then the next time I did a spot, I said, you guys got to help me. I'm the worst spot doer in the world. I only got one call and I was the caller. Um, well, that one got a whole lot of calls and people called it <laughs> to say, no, it's okay. You're, it's all right. You, you, you'll learn, you'll, you'll get better. Don't worry. <laughs> and, <laughs> and from then on, uh, they keep asking me. Now they don't have to, but they do for some reason. But it's you're like you're the mom. You are. <laughs> I I I have never met you in person. I looking forward to doing that at some point here in the near future. But I'm already like whatever you tell me to do, I'm I'm gonna do. It. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> right. I'm so sorry. I had a whatever I've done. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I use that too because. Uh, and there was that construction out front last summer. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. These guys were not wearing their earplugs. And so I went out, and I, you know, you know, they're probably 25, 30 years old. And I said, young man, come here. <laughs> he Ooh. She's pu she pulled out the young man comment. <laughs> like, that's serious. Yeah. And I said, you need to wear earplugs on this job. And then I put out a sign for them. Well, then... A couple of days later, I was standing out there watching them, and they came and brought me earplugs. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, how the tide has turned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes I, sometimes I use that. Being old is, is quite helpful. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, I'm going to continue the, the Kalamazoo ties. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and forgive me if I'm wrong about this. I was telling John about this before we, we got started today. There has been a few times um, I travel often for work. I work out of my home here in Florida. Uh, and I will hop on an airline here in the Kalamazoo Airport. And <laughs> sitting on my chair is this magical, delectable piece of love from, from your bakery. And I was just kind of curious about how something like that came about. So, so for those who don't know, um, I fly... Most of the time, I fly Delta Airlines out of Kalamazoo and sitting occasionally. And this pisses me off because yeah. I fly American and I get none of this. Oh, there you go. No. I didn't know about any of this until Jason brought it up before right. you came out. And I'm like, oh. wait, that's a thing? But <laughs> sitting on our chairs occasionally, not always, occasionally, but it's an awesome <clears throat> surprise when it happens, is a little cellophane package wrapped with the Sarkozy Bakery sticker on it. Uh, that's kind of like a... Um, uh, I described it to John as sort of like an all-natural energy bar. There's like yeah. flaxseed and, and, and maybe like a honey. And it just, this is a, just a nice little bite that for people to have that association with Kalamazoo and the experience of that airport, along with being exposed to your bakery and a little bit of who you are, I'm like, this is not only very generous, but a tremendous marketing <laughs> capability. Well, actually, they came to me on that. Really? And, really? Yeah. And by the way, they don't do it anymore. No, it's been a while. Yeah, they stopped doing it. But they came to me on that, and they said they wanted something that said Kalamazoo. So I slapped Kalamazoo on an oat bar and said, here you go. And the response was really amazing. I've heard from people all over the country. Yeah. Oh, wow. I would, I would not doubt it one bit. And apparently the... The staff at Delta, uh, you know, they'd land the plane and they'd get off and they'd say, is this the place with the oat bars? Is this the station with the oat bars? Oh, awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that, they, they, they came to me. That's cool. Because it wasn't Bell's Beer sitting there. It was the Sarkozy Oat Bar. Yeah. Right. Well, you know what? Larry Bell was our first full-time employee. 
Really? At the bakery, yes. That's awesome. <laughs> and he was making, or we were making beer at the time. Really? Yeah, we thought it was, just personally. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, we thought it was pretty good beer. We compared it at the time to Beck's beer. There wasn't very okay. beer. But we said, yeah, it's as good as Beck's. Nowadays, I wouldn't brag that way. But, um, <laughs> um, and so my husband gave him his first book on brewing beer. Uh, wow. There weren't many, there weren't many books at that time. This was in 78. Mm -hmm. uh, and my husband had found one from England that really worked pretty well. And at that time, we had to go to Canada to get our supplies. You couldn't buy the supplies here. Gotcha. Oh, that's what, interesting. Wasn't as prevalent, yeah. I guess. Okay. So that's, uh, yeah, that's the Larry Bell story. So. God damn it. Now there's like so many more things that I don't know about, Judy. <laughs> Maybe we should have had a primer before all of this. Right. Uh, um, so one thing I wanted to ask you about, um, because of how much you gave and continue to give to this community of Kalamazoo, uh, was the unfortunate tragedy of, of losing the bakery to a, to a fire. Uh, I think it was in 2012. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the, the outpouring and the support from the community that was able to give back, not only, not only just like clientele, but people that, you did, oh. it's just a synonymous name. I'd love for you to regale us with that story because. Oh, that's, that's really something that I'm, I'm still blown away by it. Um, uh, I mean, right from the day of the fire, uh, people, you know, started, started supporting us. And, um, the Gilmore uh, Piano Festival, mm -hmm. uh, we had donated cookies for them. And so at, um, at halftime in their concerts, um, there, were, there are plates of cookies out there and it's become a tradition. Oh, and cool. So when the fire happened in February, um, the, there was, that was the year of the festival. And so they asked, they, they kept put, pushing me say, find a kitchen and make the cookies for the, make the cookies. And I said, I didn't know if I wanted to do that. I didn't know if I was going to be able to reopen. I didn't know anything. And, um, but finally they leaned on me enough and we made the cookies. We rented the can-do kitchen and we made the cookies. And I was blown away by the response at the concert to the cookies. People were literally putting them in their pockets. They stole our logo. They, uh, everybody was so thrilled and they were coming up to me and, uh, and I, until that point, didn't really understand our, you know, I was baking and running a bakery. I didn't understand how the community perceived us. Oh, sure. Right. And, um, so, um, that just sort of blew me away. And then Phyllis Rappaport, who's a very famous 90 year old piano pianist and had taught at Western and she said she wanted to set up a benefit concert and she said you got to make up your mind because if this is going to happen in September I have to know by June and you have to make up your mind mm -hmm. so I said okay I'll reopen <laughs> and then there was this fabulous concert all kinds of professional musicians I don't know how many people played it was, and uh, a whole lot of community members, my customers, 
um, musicians, etc., were at that concert, and we raised thirty-five thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah, and the musicians loved it because it was more than the usual suspects, and um, my customers loved it because a lot of them had never been exposed to that kind of stuff. So mm. it was really everybody saying, "Oh, we have to do this every year," and I thought, "Oh no, we don't know." <laughs> but um, so then my staff and I put together then four more fundraisers and in total we raised $85,000. Um, That's exceptional. And yeah. And then beyond that, we've had all kinds of help. Um, a lawyer, an IT guy, uh, a couple of architects, um, just all kinds of people have helped us out. And I really feel Part of what I need to do is let Kalamazoo know what a gorgeous community this is and how, you know, at, because if we, you know, if we stand around and say, oh, this is a rat hole, you know, this is terrible, that's how people are going to feel. But if they really understand, so I need to feed back the joy and the thrill of um, of all that happened after the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was just, uh, it was unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, it cemented quite a relationship. And I, I think every every place, every community could do it, but Kalamazoo did. I mean, there, there were, before I even decided, somebody set up a bank account, and there was $10,000 in that bank account. Of, wow. Of um, just people <clears throat> donating to that bank account. It was amazing. It was, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to believe, but it was, it was just wonderful. I just, uh, <clears throat> when I was doing some reading to make sure that I knew what I thought I knew about, about the bakery and about you before we did this episode, um, side note, uh, the gentleman who took the video and the f- pictures at the time coverage for M live was Fritz Klug. Oh, no kidding. Who's ah. a, who's a good friend of mine who, ah. Also, when I was a teacher at Madawan, covered my classroom, who all now still works for Bells, who we've had on the podcast as a guest. So, yeah, that's as Kalamazoo as you're going to get. Yeah, Yeah. you've now connected all the dots, Jason. I'm out. See ya. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that works for me. So, well, I got to tell you, Judy, we're coming close to the end of our time. And unless, John, did you have another question? Because I have one more to go. I mean, I got a simple one. I would say, what's um, what's the fan favorite at the bakery? What's the one that um, if somebody was coming in um, from visiting, like actually my girlfriend was in town from Maryland and I took her there, what would be the one that you would say, you, you got to try this? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, if it's a sweet, uh, either one of our croissant, we had a French baker for a while who, who improved our croissant baking considerably. Oh. And, uh, and you mentioned earlier the apple thingies. Yes. Um, that I think is one of our finest pastries and it just, it just, it's great comfort food. And, um, so, so that's for the sweet for the bread. Um, we've sold since day one in 1978, oatmeal bread has outsold every other bread far and away. It's very interesting. Um, and you know, I think we make really good French bread. I think we make good sourdough all that but no italian 
But the oatmeal bread has outsold everything. I think we make great whole wheat. I, we make a brewer's bread that starts with the, the barley from Bell's beer. Um, so our, our breads, I think, are, are really outstanding. Our pumpernickel bread, yeah. Well, our breads, really, that's what I'm most interested in is breads. Okay. And we have lunch, and we have pizza, and we have um, all kinds of good stuff there. A lot of uh, quiche we're famous for. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I gave you the single best, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Just basically go there. Go there. No, dis- <laughs> no disappointment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, so the question I have stems from uh, what I think of when I think of Sarkozy Bakery, and that is a very holiday or seasonal specific baking right yes um yeah. we're coming up on the easter lenten season so you've done yeah. punch you've done punch keys which is yeah. near and dear to my heart um, um you have chicky. what's that you know cruise chicky uh angel wings they're I, also i don't know those uh, okay um we, i and i know you make challah bread you make challah yes in which fact. i've never had but looks amazing yeah and there's a rabbi that buys it and takes it back to chicago because he can't find it as good in chicago wow Okay, See, that's a that's a thing. That's a <laughs> right. thing. Hey, right. Yeah. Um, so uh, and our punchki used to be a woman who had her aged aunt lived in Hemtramck, and she took our punchki back to her because she preferred them. Really? Oh, if you're going to get the uh, approval of somebody from Hamtramck, you're doing quite well. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. See, what uh, I have to do is there's a gentleman that works for the company I work with who's uh, nearly 100% Polish. And his tradition for us is he brings in a dozen punchies for every year the company's been in business. So we are 30 years. And he, his father, who's 100% Polish, they used to live in the Hamtramck area and bake them. And so he got them there. And then when he lived in Lansing, he got them made at uh, Quality Dairy and their bakeries. And now he lives yep. in, um, up in Mount Pleasant. So he has a bakery up there. Um, what I wanted to do was... I'm going to have to come in and get some of yours and bring them up next season and go, this is what the possibilities are. But knowing you do all these holiday, holiday baking on top of your regular baking. uh, What I want to ask is my final kind of question is everybody's got hopefully some sort of family tradition, something maybe grandma or grandpa has passed along that you've made. What would you suggest for families that are not highly skilled or minimally skilled in baking to tackle as a their first baked good to possibly start a new tradition. What's something you think has a good level of success and a, and a low tolerance for jackassery that I would have <laughs> uh, that would have a, a baked good come out where you can go, hmm, this is serviceable. I would eat this again. Wow, that's an interesting question because part of what makes holiday goods so important to us is that Grandma did make them, and and she was there, and the family was together, and everybody always says, oh, these are not as good as my grandmother's. Well, I think they probably are, but your grandmother's not there, and it doesn't feel the same. Mm, that's so, a good point. So starting a tradition, uh, I think just making, I mean, I think trying anything, cookies are probably the easiest. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and making it with the family and eating it with the family and doing the whole family thing, I think that's what makes the importance of holiday food is family. Or friends. We, yeah, I don't have any family here, but we have lots of nice food on holidays. Oh, I bet. And you have friends that come out of the woodwork for this deliciousness, <laughs> right? Uh, well... Uh, Judy, I, uh, I, I'm i not going to speak for John. He can speak for himself, but I cannot hmm. thank you enough for being part of our, our podcast. Today. Yeah, this one was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Good. Well, good. It was fun for me, too, once we all got hooked up. and yeah. It's part of, the, part of the fun, right? So uh, <laughs> once again, our guest has been Judy Sarkozy of Sarkozy Bakery, uh, judged by MLive as the third best bakery in Michigan, although we think that's probably a mistake. That's probably wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... Uh, uh, Judy, if, if for people who are listening to this podcast for the first time who are Kalamazoo people or coming in from out of town, what's the best way to find Sarkozy Bakery, either online or in real life? Well, we do have a website that's uh, sort, of, um, sort of okay because I try to do it and I hate doing it. Um, <laughs> and, um, uh, but we're right downtown and we're... Um, uh, well, I don't know what the best way, um, I say I shouldn't, you can tell what a shrewd businesswoman I am, can't you? Right. Oh, without question, without question. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the website probably has the best information. It has a calendar, uh, for example, on Sundays we have music from 11 to 1, live music. Mm. Today we had whiskey before breakfast. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and we have, uh, a lot of special things going on. And so uh, there's a calendar on the website that tells you who's here and all that. So probably the website. Perfect. Yep. And then I know they have their sarkozybakery.com. They have an Instagram page. They have a Facebook page. So, uh, Judy, we, we appreciate it so much. I'm, I'm feeling like, John, we're going to have to go down. And uh, are you there all the time, Judy? So if we end up... Oh, well, I'm, there, I'm there a lot, although I'm, I also work the farmer's market. So... Um, for example, I'm not here on Saturdays. And I'm the one off Bank Street, the yeah, the Calms yeah. yeah, and there's a winter market there too. And or or I walk literally across the street when I'm walking my dog, and I'm like, hey, right. hey, Judy. Hey, Judy. Like, wait a minute, I just uh. yeah. Oh my goodness! It's like I was just stopping by, and the dog looks like it's already had four walks. <laughs> Some people call it stalking. <laughs> Some people call it being neighborly. Yeah, there you go. Oh my gosh. Well, my thanks to Judy, of course, and my thanks to John, Lance, and Tucker. We'll catch you next time, but if I don't talk to you before, I'll catch you in the next one.